0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. I hope y'all noticed that uh, when he suggested you only have five pieces of corn, there was one little girl up here that when he said, "Would you be thankful for that?" and she's just like, "Nope." <laughs> um, and Bill, I appreciate you you uh, going ahead and bribing children with candy. That's always a smart. How many of y'all eat candy corn? Y'all need to come forward and be saved. There is something wrong with you if you're eat. I that just that's just what I mean. Give me a Hershey's Kiss. Amen. Those are great. But yeah, I'd like one right now. But but no, candy corn, yeah. anyway, grateful Bill, thank you for doing that, it's great. that was a great list. Guys, I want to share with you this morning, this message is one that kind of came to my heart while I was away uh, in the month of October. I was able to go ahead and listen, my wife actually started listening to uh, a a preacher that is on television and on radio, he has podcasts, and I, and I started listening to some of that as well, and when I got back here... To Navasota, got a chance to do that. One of the messages he had doesn't seem like a Thanksgiving message, and it's one that we have looked at not that long ago in the same scripture. And I want us to to go revisit the scripture because it has some depth to it that I want to be able to share with you. The pastor that we that that I listened to is a fellow up at Gateway Church here in Texas named Robert Morris, and and he preached a sermon. A, a series of sermons called "The End," and if you, if you online, you can go ahead and pick that up. There's one that that really touched me again, and it was a scripture that I had used earlier on uh, this past year that I want to share with you, guys. I want to I, I I prefaced it last week, and I want to I want to ask you a question as we begin this morning. And the question is this: What would you do if you drove home? from church this afternoon and your neighbor's house was on fire, what would you do? Guys, there are a variety of things that would come to your mind. Now listen, I'm grateful today we got rain. If it's on fire and it's in the rain, that's serious. And we can give thanks again to God for the rain that's helping to put the fire out. But if you saw that, what would you do? Maybe some of you all in here would, would say, the very first thing I'd do, Clyde, is I'd call 911. I'd go ahead and let the folks that fight fires know that there's a, a, a serious situation, and I'd call them. Some of you might say, you know, I I figure that someone else has already has already called, so I'm not really going to go ahead and do that. Besides, I've got to get home uh, to, to eat, and I've got to go ahead and do those. So some of you all, I hope not, but... I hope if you're my neighbor you wouldn't, would just say somebody's already taken care of it. Perhaps some of you would just simply say, you know what, I just need to pray that everything turns out okay. Now guys, all three of these particular responses have validity to them. But I want to ask you if you would be the person that would say, you know what, I'm going to go into the house And rescue those that are perishing. Jesus taught about what we're going to talk about this morning. The topic of hell. He taught about hell 33 times in His three-year ministry that we know of. He taught about it more than He taught about heaven. In the roughly 36 months that Jesus was doing ministry, He taught we have it in the Gospels. He taught about this almost exclusively once a month. And guys, listen. We live in a world right now, in a culture right now, that would say hell really is not, it doesn't exist. We have folks that even go to our seminaries, and I'm talking about Baptist seminaries, that say I'm not really sure that hell is an actual literal place. Jesus speaks in Luke's Gospel about hell being a real place that has real depth and terror to it. And as he shared these teachings with his disciples, it is something that I want us to to revisit again. The Bible teaches in itself wholly 167 times about hell, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament speaks of of it as being a place of anguish and burning and terror, a place of eternity, in torment. Now the Scripture we're going to be looking at this morning is rather long. And I'm going to ask you to stand together in just a moment. But if you don't mind, as we read this Scripture together, I want you to listen carefully, not just to the two people that are described in this and their eternal fates. I want you to listen to this with an ear to what God has for you and me to hear from Him. That's allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and say, here's what I've got for you this morning. Not what Pastor Clyde says, but what I have for you. And I hope that you hear this and will be willing to go ahead and let God have His way with you. Let me invite you to stand. with This is found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. And guys, the print is a little small this morning, but we're going to read it together And if you have to squint, that's okay, because everybody on the front six pews has to read loud, okay? All right, let's read together. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his swords. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, and nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, and that he might testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. I want to share with you a couple of things about this Scripture. Not only have we looked at it recently before, but some of the things that you and I need to gather and glean from this before we begin our study this morning is this. Jesus is very particular in the way he presents this. If you read the gospel, of, if you read the gospel account in Luke, he is talking in parables. Y'all know what a parable is, right? A parable was actually a teaching, and it wasn't, it wasn't hypothetical. Jesus would use a situation that was general, and he would say, you know, when these kind of things happen, and he wasn't being specific about it, he would just simply cast out something and say, hey, when this kind of happens, this. When this kind of happens, this. And by the way, in Jewish teaching and in their tradition, it was considered a great insult if you ended up going ahead and saying, let me write it all out for you, spell it all out for you, get the fine notes out for you, no, as a matter of fact, what the Jews wanted to do is when there would be a story that was told, he wanted to, Jesus wanted to engage your mind, your emotions, your language, and your physical body. For a Jew, they were all encapsulated in one form. And if you were to simply say, you know what, the Bible says that you should honor your mother and father, the sixth commandment. And by honoring your father and mother, you promise yourself that you're going to... You're going to last a while. And lasting a while means, and he would go on and on, and that's not what Jesus would do. He would go ahead and in the Jewish mindset, in their teaching philosophy, they would leave it at that so that you would begin to ponder it after you left that presence and went somewhere else. It's a unique teaching style because really what was going on there is I don't want to give it all to you. I want you to be engaged enough to let the Holy Spirit work on you. In this and Jesus begins to talk about these two men a rich man and it's interesting that instead of saying hey there was a rich man and we could take that as a parable it's interesting that in Greek the word there where it says and I hope you picked it up it said there was a certain rich man so we're talking about one individual this isn't a parable this really happened this really happened this story was real Because he says there was a certain man named Lazarus. Now Lazarus was a common name, like Sam, like Thomas, like James. It was a name that folks would have recognized as a common name. Because this guy was a beggar and he was outside of the house of the rich man who remains nameless, this was a real event. Guys, some of the teaching that comes out of this is something that you and I have heard before, but I want you to get again. We talk about hell. And why Why would we be talking about hell on, thanks, uh, on Thanksgiving week? Guys, listen to me. To give thanks to God, you don't have to be in hell when you die. Thanks be to God, He has given you a way out. But it's important to know what we got out of so that we can give thanks for that and, and so that God can begin to motivate us to make sure that the people we love and the people we see, we would never allow to burn in an everlasting hell. So what is hell? Well, guys, listen to me. The Bible teaches that hell is not a place created for you or for bad people or for Hitler, or Mao, or Stalin, or for anyone that you know. Hell was not created for that. We have this idea, mistaken as it is, that hell is a place that if you're a bad person, you go to. Guys, let me ask you this. Who is the best person you know? Think about that person. Lock them in your mind for just a minute. Who's the best person you know? I've already got mine picked out. And she would split hell wide open without Jesus. There's no hope for her or you or me without what Jesus had done on the cross. Hell was not created for you and me. Hell was created initially for Satan and those angels that were in revolt against God And it was a separate place of separation and torment. Four times in that Scripture, the word torment or a derivative of it is mentioned. That's what hell is. Not created for you and me. It was a place solely for the devil and his angels. God doesn't intend for you or anyone born into this world to go to hell. He doesn't even, listen to me, He doesn't even send you to hell. That's another lie that the enemy has brought. God does not send you to hell. You choose that that will be your eternal home. I don't do that, Clyde. Nobody would want to choose to go to hell. Let me share with you. The Bible is clear in John's Gospel, chapter 14, that if you don't choose Jesus Christ, if you do not choose Him, and the Bible says that you're separated from God. That He is the way, the truth, and the light. And no one comes to the Father but in the Bible. Some of you might say, but but in Him. That's not what it says. It says, but through Him. And that word through in Greek literally means what He has done for you and me. So what did Jesus do for you and me to rescue us from hell? He died on the cross, the perfect sin sacrifice. He was a perfect human being, unlike us. We have sinned. Anybody in here not a sinner today? Don't no, raise your hand, Lamarcus. I've seen you. Everyone in here is a sinner. The Bible's really clear about that. We're not only sinners, we're really good about sin. We know how to do it. Bible says that Jesus Christ, who was born perfect, lived perfect, tempted like you and me, yet without sin, gave himself to die on the cross as the perfect sacrifice to pay for your sin and mine, to rescue us from hell. Hell is that place that was not intended for you and me. It is a place where you desire comfort. It's a place where you desire comfort. Did you catch the request from the rich man made of Abraham? Have that nobody that's next to you, that guy Lazarus that I ignored when he was outside my window, have that guy dip his finger in the water and simply put it on my lips, for I'm in torment. Guys, let me share with you. If I were on fire, if I were in torment this morning, if you were on fire and in torment, I would be so thankful that I am in a Baptist church right now because I would hop that wall and get in that baptistry full of water so it would cover all of the the pain that was going on with the burning. I would be thrilled to do that. By the way, the baptistry is empty this morning. Don't do that. But it's interesting what he says. Just just have that that nobody guy take the little tip of his finger and touch my lips if I could get any relief. Physically, I'll take it. That's what hell is. Hell is a visceral, real physical torment, and the rich man confirms this. He desired to have even the tip of his lips relieved, but it couldn't happen. You see, Satan would have you and me believe that hell is actually going to be one big, fine party with all the people that know how to party really well. Let me share with you. As as Satan lied to Eve, he lies to you and me and to our culture and to our world that that's what hell is really like. Yeah, you don't get to heaven. That's all right. We're going to have a great time in hell. Let me share with you. It's not going to be a great time. That place was created only for Satan and his demonic horde. Not for you. You don't want to be there. Not only is hell a place where you desire comfort physically, it is a place where you have concern. Not only does the rich man seek physical relief, but he's concerned about his family and that they will be there like him. Let me share with you something. The you that is you that can make a choice today to believe that Jesus is Lord is the eternal part of you that that will be in heaven or in hell. That is the you that is you. That's the part of you that when you put your head on the pillow at night, you go, was this a good day? Did I do what I was supposed to do? And it's the part that the Holy Spirit can come and talk to and say, you know, you did great, but you missed this one little part over here and I want you to wake up tomorrow and not make the same mistakes again. That's the eternal part of you. That is it. If you wonder what the you is in you, that's the real you. Not this thing on the outside that we dress up with clothes or we try to go ahead and put an 8 by 10 glossy on that other people guess what we are really like. It's the real you. It's the part of you that God knows and that God seeks. That part of you is the part that also has concern like the rich man. It's interesting what he says. The rich man doesn't want to be in hell, and he didn't want his family there. And he volunteers the idea to send Lazarus back from the dead. And then when he says, you know what? Forget Lazarus. What he's really doing, if you read it carefully, what he's really doing to say, you know, we ought to send a dead man back there. And, and if we did that, they'd all have faith and belief. And Abraham says, they've got the Bible. They've got the Scriptures. He says, no, 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 no. If there really was a... By the way, I'm willing to volunteer. And Abraham says these powerful words. If they won't believe the Scriptures, they won't believe a dead man even though he rose from the dead. Do you get what's happening here, folks? This is a time where Abraham says, I already know what's going to happen. God's going to send His own Son, perfect and holy, to die on a cross for your sin. And rich man... You missed it. You missed it. There are people today that do not believe that Jesus was resurrected. There were over 400 witnesses, physical witnesses, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Guys, let me share with you. If Jesus was not resurrected, what would have happened is you would have seen a slew of writings from the present day Jews that were there, from the Romans that were there, that were in charge, that would have said there was a rumor going on that He was raised from the dead, but it really didn't happen. No one saw Him. They couldn't write that because they saw Him. And they saw what God had done. And Jesus was raised from a tomb. And he wasn't just in the tomb and sort of just recovered and wasn't really dead. He was dead, dead. Thanatos. And as he's dead, dead, God raised him as a promise. And guys, listen as a promise and example of what he's going to do in your life too. When you and I come to Christ by faith, when we ask Jesus to come in and forgive our sins, to save us and, and re- render hell meaningless to us when we do that the Bible says in Galatians 2.20 that God kills you and me dead as a doornail right there the old you is dead and he raises up the new person in Christ Jesus Amen you and I don't end up living a life scared that when we die hell is going to be our home No, instead it's a place where we can go in and say, you know what, I've got instead a greater place than hell. I've got a place where I don't have to be concerned about my loved ones. If I've shared with them what I know about Jesus Christ, then they have a decision to make as well. And I have decided that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you have that opportunity this morning. The rich man was concerned and hell is a place where your mind is concerned about the unfinished work of others. It is also a place to seek consolation. Literally, quote, give me the peace that others won't end up here, is what that rich man was saying. It's a seemingly legitimate request, and yet it is turned down by Abraham flat. There's no way out, and no way to have that peace of mind guys hell is though is is not a place intended for you but there's another part of this it is also a place of utter darkness according to matthew 8 and it's a place that is void of form let me ask you a question have you ever been in a place that is absolutely dark i mean completely dark I'm not talking about a place that has a night light in it or ambient light. By the way, the older you get, you don't like being in places that are totally dark, and there's a reason for that. Um, it has to do with balance. Um, Stacy and I, years ago, went to a place called Mammoth Cave. Any of y'all ever been there in Kentucky? Okay, a bunch of y'all. When you were in there, after you go in, we got there when the ranger the ranger tours were already over. They were already over. We couldn't go. And this one ranger said, tell you what, I'll take you in. And so we get our own private ranch tour. They go like, oh boy, Hercules, Hercules. And we go in there, and we're having a great time with this guy. And he said, I'm going to do something. And he said, I need you to stand completely still. Do not move. And he reached over and he kicked the light. Now, guys, I've been in some dark places. I was about 35 at the time. The lights went out, and Clyde is doing this. Do you realize one of the ways that you keep balance is that you can see a horizon? You can see ground. You have a touch that is solid. That's one of the ways that you and I keep our minds right. I couldn't see anything. The Bible shares that hell is a place of absolute darkness, and it is void of form. There's no place in it where you can get your bearings. We have missed when we missed that last ranger, and he told us to stand still, and the lights went out. I can now tell you that I know what that portion of hell is like. The Bible says it's darkness because it is the opposite of heaven. By the way, you need to know this. There are no lights in heaven, okay? It's not like you flip on a light and there are lights in heaven like there is here. You can turn on these lights and they kick up. The Bible shares that there's no lights in heaven. There is one light and it is the Son of God. And it radiates out everywhere. Hell is the opposite of heaven. It radiates out. And it is a place of fellowship, of closeness, of joy, of peace, of rest. And the Bible even uses this one great word, glory. You know what glory really is? Glory, Aggies, is when A&M wins their national championship. That's going to be glory. Because what you all will do is, you will have had the battered Aggie syndrome so long, and it happened, and you're going, wait, wait. And wherever that game is played, and you're watching it on TV, you're going to wish you were there, so that you were surrounded by people absolutely, Filled with joy that your team won the big game. Guys, I'm going to share with you. Heaven is better than an Aggie National Championship. Because glory is going to be, I'm going to be giving thanks, not only for Jesus coming into my life, But as I'm looking around heaven and seeing all of those, I'm thankful for He came into your life and yours and yours and yours. I'm so grateful that you're here. Hell is a place where you are isolated and alone, separated from God and everybody else. You're in physical torment and you are absolutely in a void of nothingness. It is the opposite of Heaven and it is a place of no hope. Dante Alighieri wrote the epic poem in the 14th century, The Divine Comedy, to take the reader through the afterlife. Do you happen to remember what he said was above the gate, entering into hell? Do you remember what it was? Abandon hope, all ye that enter here. Abandon hope. All ye that enter here. Hell is a place of no hope. It is a place that you don't have a hope of getting out of. Dante got that one right amidst all the other things he got wrong. He got that one right. There's no hope that things will change, and you know that. There's no hope for rescue, and you realize that. There's no hope for forgiveness. Heaven, a Savior, a second, third, or hundredth chance. They're all gone. That's what hell is. Guys, I want to share with you the good news. You are created, the Bible says, not for hell, but for good works through Christ Jesus. And that's found in Ephesians 2.10. You were created for that. You're not created for hell. And not only are you created for good works and God's intention for you is to be a part of His family, you are valued enough by God to give you another chance today this day, this this worship service to avoid hell. You see, you have a choice to make this morning. And I encourage you to choose wisely. But let's go back to the question I asked at the very beginning. Some of you in here are believers. You've been believers longer than I've been alive. Knowing the little bit, the sketch that you know of hell right now, Would you want anybody in your family to go to hell? Would you want anybody that you know to be there? Would you be willing to run into a burning building to rescue the perishing? God probably isn't going to call you to do that as you drive home today. but there are people that are on fire. And what you say to them and who you talk about is the only hope they have. Let's go to Him and ask Him to give us hope this morning.